0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: The last time I had Shea Serrano on the show, we talked about movies and about how the pandemic meant that he and his kids couldn't see movies in theaters for a very long time. Shay did
2: not like this, but things have changed since our last chat. We have three sons. The twins are 14, so they're old enough to get vaccinated. So yeah, we started going recently. The last thing we saw was Venom Let There Be Carnage.
1: How was that? Not great. <laughs> How was that?
2: Not great. But Shay plans to go back to the movies again
1: for another film he thought he'd enjoy much
2: more. We're going to go this weekend and we're going to go see the new Halloween. Oh. I love Michael Myers. I'm so excited about this one. And
1: here's the thing about Shay that you have to understand. When he likes something, it becomes an obsession. Shay does not just watch movies. He knows them and compares
2: them and categorizes them. I'm terrified of Michael Myers. He is, however, I think part of the reason I like him is because he's one of the, like, two or three that I think I could get away from. Like, he couldn't, Michael Michael Myers (laughs) is not going to kill me. I know that because I've just watched... Oh, him. yeah, sure. Have, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> listen, I have a scouting report because I've watched all of his movies. Like, So he does the thing that a lot of a lot of movie monsters do, like Jason Voorhees, where he never runs. Jason Voorhees never runs either. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the way that Jason gets you is he like throws s***. He don't have a problem picking something up and throwing it at you, like a piece <laughs> of, a, of an iron rod gate. He'll throw it right through your chest. Yeah. Michael Myers doesn't throw anything. Yeah. He's got to get his hands on you or he's got to get his knife on you. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders.
1: And today, Shay Serrano talks about another one of his obsessions, hip-hop. Shea's out with a new book called Hip-Hop and Other Things, a collection of questions asked, answered, and illustrated. This book comes after his two previous books about two of his other obsessions, basketball and other things, and movies and other things. In Shay's newest book, every chapter asks an existential question about hip-hop. And Shay tries to answer. What joke was it that DMX told that one time? Which was the most perfect duo in rap history? How many times did Lil Kim tell the future on her 96 album, Hardcore? For this episode of It's Been a Minute, Shay is going to break down three chapters from the book one all about Missy Elliott, one all about Cardi B, and another one all about the 1995 Source Awards an award show that said more about the state of hip-hop and the future of hip-hop than perhaps any other single event. I am very excited about this one. Y'all are going to love it, I promise. Enjoy. I'm going to open the book now. Good Cop, Bad Cop, Mm -hmm. Did Anyone Have a Better
2: 2018 Than Cardi B?
1: Right. Briefly lay out your thesis and the argument that you uh, argued in this chapter.
2: Okay, so 2018 was a really good year for rap we got albums from a bunch of very talented people did anybody have a better year than cardi did drake is like probably the first name you think of anytime you're talking about uh successful rappers so you could be like well he had an album that year and did you know did he do this did he do that which
1: album was that for him
2: oh that was scorpion
1: oh yeah that that was
2: you remember that that album did well yeah
1: And this Drake album had some really big hits. It had God's Plan. Mm -hmm. It had... What was the other big single? It had Nice For What. It had... In My Feelings.
2: It had Non-Stop on it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so like Drake has that year with that big album with so many big singles, and yet you still argue that Cardi had a better 2018. And you don't just argue that Cardi had a better 2018. You start this argument by saying part of the reason why is because of that song she did with Maroon
2: 5. Please explain, sir. Please explain. Okay, so that's less of like this is why she had a better year. This is more of an example of of how big of a presence she was. Yeah. Let's just go through the, the whole year. Let's do very it. Quickly. Let's do it. So in January of that year, she shows up on the remix of Bruno Mars's Finesse. Oh, yeah. oh. And like, that's really where the crossover... Great
1: song. And a great video too.
2: N- great. It's great. It's so much fun. It's like exactly what Cardi B and Bruno Mars would do if you put them together. They, they figured it out. Yeah.
1: And this comes after she had released Bodak Yellow in 2017, a very hard single that went
2: to number one and kind of announced her arrival, right?
0: You can f- for me if you
2: to. Yeah, that was the big, the big jump right there is, is when that one happened. Because that song was everywhere. But the thing that happens when you put a song out that's that big is people are like, well, can you do it again? Can you do it on an album? Can, you know, yeah. that becomes a conversation. So that's what she's showing up to 2018 with. Is, are all of those doubts, because we know the album is coming and everybody's like... What's you going to do? They're looking at the trajectory of her career, yeah. And they're like, well, you started out as this, and then you became that. You're a reality star. And then you were the rea- Can you be a real rapper? Yeah, exactly. That was the thing she was doing. So anyway, January, she's on Bruno Mars's Finesse, and that's where the sort of crossover into like her her superstardom becomes because she does that and then she does some other guest verses and she becomes like, I believe, the the third person ever in the hot R&B and hip-hop songs chart to have five songs in there at the same time. She's the first woman ever to do it, only the third person ever to do it. So that's that's how January goes. She was like T-Pain on steroids. Exactly. Because I
1: feel like there was a moment in the 2000s where you couldn't have a song on hip-hop radio unless it featured T-Pain.
2: You had to have him on there, right? Yeah. So April rolls around, that's when the album comes out and the album... It explodes everywhere. It's the top spot on Billboard's top 200 charts, Billboard's top R and B and hip hop charts. Everything that she was doing just kept getting bigger and bigger. The song goes triple platinum. Every single song on there charts on Billboard's Hot 100. It becomes the most streamed album by a woman in the history of Apple Music. Like every, every day she was breaking some new record. And that's like nothing to say of the actual quality. Of the album itself, Rolling Stone picked it as the best album of the year. So did The Ringer, so did Time, so did Entertainment Tonight. Billboard, Esquire, and Entertainment Weekly had it as the second best album of the year. And that's across all genres, not just rap. It was was great. She was doing everything that you wanted for her to do on there. And that's, again, this is just, we're just through April. Every month she was doing (laughs) a thing. Every time she stepped out of her house, she was breaking a record. And it was unreal. And she kept it up for the whole... Entire year, you know she ends up getting all of the like Grammy nominations, the b e T nominations, the MTV nominations, she wins best rap album of the year at the Grammys. the like she gets nominated for Album of the Year overall. she didn't win it, but she was nominated. It was an unbelievable run. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do anything with her. Of course, she had the best year of 2018. no yeah. nobody could keep up with her. no yeah. No name you can throw out there yeah. could keep up with what she was doing. Yeah. It was unreal. So you have these
1: two characters making this argument, having this argument in the chapter. And at one point, your good cop character says, quote, What I mean is Maroon 5, one of the biggest and most successful bands of the modern era, went well over half a decade without scoring a number one hit. That's how hard it is to score one of those. And then Cardi B gave them a verse for a song in 2018 for Girls Like You.
0: I need you right here, cause every time you fall, I and then
1: just like that they finally got another number one hit because of cardi b i just wow Mm -hmm. what was the bad cop in that cardi b chapter arguing that would justify any claim that she wasn't having the best year ever because i mean once you lay out those stats it's like how would anyone disagree how was the bad cop in that chapter disagreeing with cardi b's best year
2: so that's to me like my my like favorite little sneaky trick in that chapter is that the bad cop in this case shows up automatically dismissing it without knowing anything, and it's just like it's air, it's a big box of air mm-hmm. he's just saying other names without providing any sort of information or any sort of detail or any sort of real argument and that is often how arguing about rap arguing about anything goes on the internet. Mm. you say a thing, somebody else says a thing in opposition of that because they can because they (laughs) can and you try to well can you explain it a little further and they're like no that's all i'm going to say because that's just what i felt (laughs) like uh, typing into my phone and then sending it to your phone you know what i'm saying yeah
1: well and then it's like when you start to think about some of the critiques of a rapper like cardi b easily some of it is gendered you know like people thumb their noses that Cardi B became a successful rapper after having a career in reality TV. Mm-hmm. People don't ever talk about how Drake had a successful career in rap, posing as this kind of really hard tough rapper after being an actor on a Canadian teen drama for years called Degrassi. You know, it's like it's it's like we see these paths and these trajectories and these careers differently based on things like gender a lot. So what I enjoyed about your Cardi B chapter, it was just like, no, 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 baby, here are the numbers, here are the facts. You cannot argue with this. You can't argue with it. Yeah, you just can't.
2: Once it's all laid out, there's no other conclusion to come to than she had the best 2018 of, of anybody. You can add that to like the list of the great individual years that anybody has ever had in the history of rap. Like if we're just talking numbers, Plus quality of music. Yeah. She's up there.
1: I gotta tell you, even though that song I Like It came out in 2018, mm-hmm. there's a really great dance kind of trap remix uh, from Dylan Francis that I still play at least once a week. The I Like It Dylan Francis remix, listeners, it will make your head
0: explode. <laughs> in <the best> way.
1: <laughs> it's so good.
0: <laughs> it's so good. <laughs>
1: All right, coming up, we will get into Missy Elliott's career. And we'll talk about the backstory of her iconic look from her music video for The Rain. You know, the big oversized black leather garbage bag thing. A look which I love. Turns out it was much
0: deeper than you may know. This message comes from NPR sponsor Discover. Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: What does it mean to be black in America? And NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths. A collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear, it means
0: everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: I want to move on to another great woman in rap, Missy Elliott. Mm -hmm. Your Missy chapter was full of all kinds of feels, and I loved it. Yeah. And I think the best way to talk about that chapter in your thoughts on Missy is to open with a Missy story that I had never heard before until you wrote it in your book and I read that. She once wrote a rap song for a very young Raven-Symoné. Mm-hmm. Please Correct. tell
2: all of our listeners about all of that because
1: <laughs> I had no idea.
2: Okay. So Missy, early in her career, she writes and produces this song for raven Simone. It's called That's What Little Girls Are Made Of. Um, Raymond Simone at the time was a child She was a child rapper In the song there's a brief feature in And it. a
1: child star, like she was on the Cosby show for a little while. Yeah, bit, yeah, and exactly stuff Like that, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: she's all over the place They're doing the thing where they're like Well let's cash in on this while we can So they have her do the song The song is great It's like great for kid rapping But it features a, a very brief cameo or feature verse from Missy Elliott And when they filmed the video for it, Missy got replaced. They like didn't. They just replaced her with a thinner woman who had lighter skin. And this woman just sort of lip synced to Missy's parts. And then Missy talked about it later on in interviews that she got told after the fact that, like, per the record label, she didn't have the right look to be included in the video.
1: That is so awful, right?
2: She talked about it with the Guardian in two thousand and one. This is this is a, the quote that she had. She said, "They'd broken my heart. They said I could sing, I could write." but I looked wrong. That was the lowest thing you could say. I didn't forget it. So that happens in 1993. Yeah. And then four years later, we fast forward a little bit. Missy has parlayed her growing reputation as a songwriter and producer into this like unique situation. Uh, Electra Records offers her her own label under the condition that she delivers them a solo project of her own, right? So uh, that's what she ends up doing. That's how we get Super Duper Fly in 1997. And on this album... The very first video for it that she, that Missy chose to make for it is The Rain. It's probably her most famous song.
1: Which is one of the best music videos of all time. I feel like there was a good two years where MTV had to play it every seven minutes. It
2: was a pivotal moment in rap video history. Unquestionably. The song is incredible here. Yeah. Um, but so she makes her album. This is the first single. This is the first video that she's doing. And then later, like the most iconic shot of her career is of Missy in the inflated with air black leather outfit. And she's like center picture.
1: It looks like a big garbage bag. It's, it, it looks, looks like, like a, in a big, very big garbage, shiny bag. Garbage, bag. garbage bag. Yeah,
2: that's exactly what it looks like. It's on the cover of the book. It's one of my favorite rap images ever. So she's there and she's in the big inflated leather outfit center picture. This is a Hype Williams video. He's using the fisheye lens. It was just like such an interesting thing to see Missy finally in like full creative control of her career. And the first thing she chooses to show everyone was an exaggerated version of the things that she'd been told were bad about herself previously. Like everything they said was wrong with her. Too big, too
1: black. Oh, I'll show you. I'm too big. I'm too black.
2: She put Ah. it right on there. And then – when you listen to the beginning of the song, she's just saying over and over again, me, I'm super fly, super duper fly, super duper fly. She says it 10 times in a row. She's showing you a picture and then she's telling you, this is a good thing. 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 A good thing. A good thing. Right? And so this like whole setup, the imagery, the declaration, the unwavering confidence, very clearly to me, watching it afterward, is like a like a you move. Like I'm going to go out of my way yes. to prove this to you sort of I'm the only person on the planet who can do this kind of move it was a perfect moment it was undeniable and then from that moment forward from the first minute of the first video of her first album everybody knew that Missy Elliott was special everybody knew that Missy Elliott was different everybody knew that she was going to do something incredible with her career and then she went in like she did it yeah she called her shot and then she did yeah. it and I love it yeah well, and,
1: like, this is yet another example of the book and what it did for me. I thought I knew all there was to know about Missy Elliott. I did not. And I think this video of hers that I love for The Rain, I didn't reconsider the imagery in that video until reading this chapter. And it's like, oh, of course. Like, there's some meta-commentary here. Missy Elliott in a big black leather garbage bag means a lot more than just a person in a big black leather garbage bag it is a commentary on race and size and gender and class and she's saying f all y'all you will respect me i am super duper fly
2: i love it yeah it's, it's when you spend that much time like just researching a thing or studying a thing you're always going to learn stuff like that always happens to me and like you, you don't know any of this stuff until you learn the stuff you know what I'm saying? I didn't know any yeah. of this until I started researching and then, oh, this all fits together. It all, it all makes yeah. sense.
1: I want to, if you're cool with it, spend a little time with two chapters in your book that get at a piece of hip-hop history that we should never forget, but I feel like not enough people remember.
0: And now, people all over the world it's the Source Hip-Hop musical Awards.
1: The 1995 Source Awards, oh yeah. which were a hot mess. But it's also this perfect time capsule of where hip-hop was then and also this oracle which predicted where hip-hop was headed. Can we just spend some time and marinate in the '95 Source Awards? I would love that.
2: I was, I was so excited when it showed up on the Internet. A couple of <laughs> years ago, it shows up on the Internet in full. You can watch the entire thing commercials and everything, that's and I was amazing. so pumped. I downloaded it because I knew it was going to disappear eventually. Yeah. I have it saved on my on my computer because that's that's the thing that everybody knows about. Even if you like are only on the very edge of listening to rap, like you are familiar with the imagery from it. You're familiar with Suge Knight being up there, up on the stage. You're familiar with the come to death row whole thing.
0: And one other thing I'd like to say, any artist out there want to be an artist, and want to stay a star't won't to have to worry about the executive producer trying to be all in the video, all on the record, come death
2: row I knew a bunch of pieces of it, but I had never watched it before. I didn't have cable at my house when this was a thing that was on TV, so I never got the chance what? to see it. Yeah, so
1: you know what it felt like to me? What did it feel like to you? It felt like the hip-hop version of Oprah's Legends Ball) <laughs> You know how like like in the 90s at yeah. the peak of Oprah's Oprahness, she does this thing where she invites like 60 amazing powerful black women out to her compound for a weekend. She makes them all wear white and go through buffet lines. And she just has them give speeches to each other and then there's a gospel concert. <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy but you realize when you finally watch it that you've been watching images and memes and moments from this Oprah Legends ball your whole life. You just haven't watched of Legends Ball yet, and I had the same feeling reading your Source Awards chapter. It's like, oh, I know bits and pieces of the '95 Source Awards. I've just never watched the whole thing.
2: Yeah, and it was such an interesting, such a fun thing to sit down and watch it. This is what I was doing: is I would watch a little bit of it, and then I would pause it, and then I would like try to learn everything I could about whatever it was that I had just seen. Like I knew, I knew the people who were in there or whatever, but I was like oh, why wasn't Nas nominated for any of the, like this is 95, Elmatic had came out in 94, he should have been all over this thing, but that wasn't the case. And yeah. then, So then I spent like a couple of days trying to hunt down why that didn't happen. Like you just are searching through all of that and it became, for me, I, like I watched the whole thing in its entirety just one time through uninterrupted and then I went back and I rewatched it again and I'm pausing it and trying to learn all this. It probably took me like two or three weeks to make my way through the wow. whole thing and by the end of it, I just felt so much Fuller in my brain, like again, we just talked about the Suge Knight thing. Everybody remembers that moment, but like, do you like what was the award that he was up there for? Why was Suge Knight on the stage? You know what I'm saying? And I want to, I want to, I want to know all of that stuff too. Exactly. Coming up, we'll break down the 1995 Source Awards, which
1: Shay says is one of the biggest nights in rap history.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life, Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit TeladocHealth.com slash What's Your Why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C Health slash What's Your Why. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So before we get into like a real TikTok of this award show, let's set up 1995 itself and what that year meant for hip hop. So I guess to start, what was Source Magazine for folks who may not know?
2: By that time, by August of 95, it's the... yeah. It was the biggest media voice in rap. Like they were the Bible of rap. They're not that anymore. And if you could get a rapper on the cover of The Source, they had arrived. Forget about about it. This is like being on the cover of the Bible. If they put Jesus on the cover (laughs) of the, the, that's what this was with The Source magazine. If you could be on the cover of that, that's what you needed. It's so different to look back and see how we were consuming music, anything really at the time. It was like they would show up on your TV. Or like they would show up on the cover of Source, or or like mm-hmm. Sway would tell you, hey, this is a person we care about now on MTV. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, mm-hmm. well now we all care about this person. It doesn't work like that now with the internet. And that's it. The internet has atomized exactly. everything. Back then we were all experiencing yeah. the same like six things at once. There was a monoculture. Yeah. But like this was a big deal. It was as big as it got. It was literally as big as it got in rap. In this moment, you have all of the biggest rap stars on the planet all gathered together.
0: We got the Wu-Tang Clan there in the house. That's right. We got Jodeci there in the house. Right. Salt and Peppers in the house.
1: Right. It was
2: very clearly like, okay, this is Bad Boy versus Death Row. The two most powerful camps taking repeated shots at each other.
1: The East Coast ain't got no love for Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Death Row.
0: Y'all don't love us? Y'all don't love us? We let it be known then. We know y'all eat toast.
2: And it was like, it was just so much. And then, of course, after that is when, you know, Tupac gets murdered, Biggie gets murdered. And then you look back and you watch it now, and it's like, oh, this is like... It was foreshadowing.
1: (laughs) You saw it all in real time.
2: This is a way bigger thing than you thought. 26 years later, it is still the biggest, most historic Most impactful award show night in rap history. Nothing will ever touch that moment there. And it got uploaded to the internet in its entirety. You got to watch it. And so now there's two chapters in the book about it. You got to watch it. I don't know if it's still there. If it's not, I'll email it to you. You can just have it.
1: Listen, I will hold you up to that. I will hold you to that. In part, just to see the footage that you wrote about of... Notorious B.I.G. really enjoying a live performance of the '69 Boys doing the classic Tootsie Roll. Ladies
0: and gentlemen, make some noise for the '69 Boys!
2: Hey. Oh man, Think what, like that song? What a great little moment! What a great little moment! They they're up there performing. '69 Boys are performing just like they're doing their '69 Boys thing. They're just dancing and having a '69 Boys time. Yeah, and then they show the crowd, and nobody's really that excited except for Biggie, He's just having a wonderful, wonderful experience. Watching that, just seeing like Biggie allowing in that moment himself to be like light and just like enjoying a thing, especially knowing what eventually comes in the like coming months or whatever. Uh, it was great.
1: Well, and like that song Tootsie Roll. Oh, oh old,
0: let me see Yeah,
1: It had major. Chicken noodle soup with the soda on the side energy. It was like a joke (laughs) song. It was a dance song. It wasn't a hard rap song. It was like fun and light and oh my god, do this cool fun dance. And to see Biggie,
2: one of the toughest rappers of all time, bop into it in the crowd.
1: oh what a beautiful thing. Yeah,
2: it was really wonderful. I, I imagine you and I are somewhere around the same age. So you were in school. When this song was popular? Do you remember going to like the school oh, yeah. dance and dancing to this? And everyone, and it, and it was tiring because the legs are getting a workout.
1: <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't make it the whole song with my legs doing that. Yeah. I don't have the quad strength. I don't have the quad strength.
2: <laughs> Incredible.
1: One big takeaway like, what do you think from folks reading the chapters mm-hmm. or watching the show? What should our biggest takeaway from the Source Awards be? What does it say most
2: about hip-hop then and now? Man, what a question. The thing that really stood out to me the most when I was re-watching it is that the way that we consume rap now is so different. Well, not just rap, but music. The way that we consume things now, rap, music, TV shows, movies, whatever. Like, you can be a gigantic superstar in one corner of the internet and somebody two corners of the internet over has never even heard of you and that wasn't the case back then, that wasn't the case in the 90s mm. like like my mom knew who Tupac was my mom knew who, this little Mexican woman in San Antonio she knew their names yeah. I'm certain she doesn't know like who Kendrick Lamar is or who Lil Durk is or Megan Thee Stallion yeah. you know I'm certain yeah. that, that even though those are the three I don't three- actually know who Lil Durk is okay well there <laughs> you go sorry yeah. <laughs> um and and rewatching the show i was just reminded a lot of that and i like i kind of miss it i miss it a bunch oh yeah you know what i'm saying oh yeah i talked about my kids earlier the twins are 14 this is right around when i was really like i had found rap you you do the thing when you're a teenager when you're like i want to do what my parents aren't doing so my dad was listening to like a lot of tejano music or classic rock like Chalino Sanchez and Stevie Ray Vaughan and that sort of thing. My mom was listening to a lot of Motown stuff because she's from uh, Michigan. And I was like, well, I want to find my own thing. And then I found rap. And I'm like, oh, man, all of the coolest people are rappers. This is what I'm going to listen to. It was about the age that my sons are now. And I can remember being in my room and like playing it on the radio. And then my mom would come in and she'd tell me to turn the radio down. Or my dad would come in. It was like a thing they were watching me experience. And then my sons, I'm watching them now, but they always have like the headphones in or they're just playing it off of their phone. It doesn't feel as communal, you know? Yeah. And when I was watching the the award show, I was thinking just a bunch about being 14 years old and so excited about this new world that had opened up to me and wanting to know every single thing about it. Any kind of rap, didn't matter what it was. I would go to the flea market. And I was just, like, buying whatever. I didn't even know, like, who anybody was. I'm just like, is this what kind of music is this great? Let me have it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: Well, and, like, that's what I love about the book. It is making hip-hop and going back through this history communal. I'm reading the chapters and thinking about these great moments you're alluding to, and it feels like I'm there with you and there with other folks, even though it's just me reading solo. And, yeah, I, I feel like in this era of streaming, this era of media fragmentation it is so great to have something that makes me feel like I'm part of a larger community where we can all talk about the same things in the same language and like this book is giving me that like talking about Missy Elliot we all can do that together I love that <laughs> and the book is giving me those vibes so thank you for that
2: well that's a very nice thing to say about a book We should put that on the cover of it <laughs> there
1: you go there you go Thanks again to Shay Serrano. He's a senior staff writer for The Ringer, a number one New York Times best-selling author, a San Antonio resident, which I love, and the host of the No Skips podcast. Shea's new book is called Hip Hop and Other Things. It is out right now. This episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Audrey Wynn, and we had fact-checking help from our intern, Nathan Pugh. Our editor for this one was Jordana Hochman, and we had engineering support from Neil Tivolt and Josephine Neoni. Listeners, we are back in your feeds on Friday. Till then, be good to yourselves. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel, clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to vioricom slash NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR.